0: I wonder if you could just take a little minute to think about this word power and what it kind of makes you think about maybe what is power to you who's powerful maybe it's a person just take a wee minute to think in your head what it kind of conjures up for you in your imagination Mm. interesting words now take a few moments just to speak to the person next to you maybe share What made you think about? Might be just a couple of words or maybe a person. I'll give you a wee bit of time. Everybody's quite reserved here. There's a lot of blethering going on in Kurt Newton. A lot of giggles. Okay. Okay, so hopefully it brought something to your mind. Now, as much as we know that power and domination shouldn't be something that kind of impresses us as the people of God, we must secretly admit that somewhere inside of us we can all at some times be impressed by powerful people. It might be the highly educated that impress you, what about the highly confident? What about people who are very rich? People that have got a particular role that you can kind of hold up on a pedestal, maybe like a medical consultant or something. I don't know, I was always quite impressed with the amount of power that they had. What about big parties? What about big bank accounts? What about triumphal processions, coronations, royal occasions? Did you know that 29.2 million people tuned in, tuned, that's an old word, eh? Tuned in to watch the last royal wedding. There's something about what we think is powerful that's almost kind of unreachable to us in our minds. And maybe in places it kind of lures us still to desire it. Power's a bit like that. And I suppose we could all pretend that we're not like that, but maybe we could all secretly acknowledge that sometimes it's still there. I don't know if any of you saw the recent um, news clip about Pope Francis when he was had um, visitors to the Vatican and they were coming up to kiss his hand you know how they come up and they kiss the Pope's ring and he was pulling his hand away did anybody see it? Right well if you didn't see it I'm going to show you it because it's, it's a little bit funny actually anyway enjoy. I find that fascinating. I find people quite fascinating. I'm not, I'm not showing that in order to criticise anybody that would do that as an act of worship. When Catholics do that, they're doing that because they're expressing their love to the Christ representative and kissing the ring is a way of worshipping for them. But what interested me was the fact that people kind of seem to like to worship something that's visible, that's concrete, that's seen, rather than what is unseen. It's almost like we've got this habitual reverence inside of us for things that we think have power. And when it's taken away, when it was taken away, it left them a wee bit flummoxed, didn't they? They didn't really know what to do. They were like, ooh. And as Alistair was saying, they didn't even learn from the people in front of them that he was obviously not wanting them to do it. And it made me kind of wonder, was that what it was like after the first Pam Sunday? Jesus came and presented himself as a king coming into a city and yet they were expecting him to come and conquer and rule in the way that they wanted. But Jesus didn't want to give them what they wanted. He was going to pull it away. He was going to shock them. Now, the representative of the Pope said that the reason for pulling his hand away was, anyone know, germs, issues of hygiene, that's right. Now, Popes throughout the years have tried to um, reform in in their role, certain aspects of what it means to be a Pope. Some have got rid of their throne, some have got rid of the crown. And I secretly wonder, is this a little bit of a way of beginning change? Maybe he wants to remove that as well. I don't know. Pope Francis is a little bit of a rebel. Do you know that? I hope you know that, right. Um, And I can't help interpret his um, reactions to things in response of everything that he's done before that. And here are a few things that I just love about him. Sometimes at night... Um, he sneaks out with some of the priests from the Vatican dressed in normal clothes and ministers in homeless shelters. Even though it's made him it a target for assassination, he's actually reformed local congregation finances to um, root out entanglement with the mafia. Pretty awesome. He likes to drive himself around in this. It's a 20 year old Renault, it's unarmed. Armoured, sorry, like the mobile, And you can see that half the windows are new. there. You know. He doesn't really care about safety and security. When he found out that his home city in Buenos Aires erected a statue outside his home church, he phoned him up and said, could you take it down? He goes to prisons and washes, washes people's feet. And he's actually the first Pope in history to ever wash the feet of a woman. If you write him a letter... He won't get someone else to write back to you. He might phone you for a chat. How cool was that? He invited 4,000 homeless men and women to come and have communion with him at the Vatican and called it the World Day of the Poor. It was the first ever one. And he used and ate the bread that was the stale bread given to the homeless shelters. I like Pope Francis. His theatre-like actions in the world ring true of a christ that entered into Jerusalem on a young donkey. Now, the writer of Mark, if any of you have read the Gospel of Mark through, it's one of the shortest ones, he normally writes so speedily. But on this particular account of Jesus' life, he doesn't. He dwells on this theatrical action. He was trying to get his readers to pay attention. We were meant to notice something. Jesus himself was performing street art. Okay? Now, in the minds, of all the Jewish audience, they would have known the words from the prophet Zechariah that go like this. It's in chapter nine. The king will enter a city, not on a war horse, not on a chariot, but in the foal of a donkey. The king that was to come was meant to redefine what it meant to be a leader and what it meant to have power. And like Pope Francis, Jesus was trying to subtract all the power that people wanted to attribute to him. He wants to take the idea that he's going to be some sort of king that's going to wage war and conquer the empire and stamp it out. Because he just he wasn't interested in that kind of power. It wasn't like us. His street theatre was trying to capture the minds of the Jewish audience and remind them of the words from the prophet. And yet they could hardly comprehend what he was doing. Their imaginations seemed to be so limited by the cultural conditions and understandings of what power should be. They were desperate to have some sort of conquering king that would come in, conquer Rome, and give the Jews all the power. And yet Jesus was going to subvert that image of power. He was going to spectacularly fail at being the Messiah they wanted, in order to show them true power. He was going to spectacularly fail for that one nation in order to bring peace to all nations. Would you like your imagination conquered today? Or maybe you'd like your imagination about power to be blown apart. And I have to admit that there are places inside of me where some old vision of success some old vision of power must die inside me for me to understand what true power and peace is now if you follow american politics at all (laughs) how can you avoid it Um, you'll notice that it's no more evident in the american dream it seems to at the minute include some sort of obsessive addiction to gun ownership and school shooting after school shooting after school shooting and people just don't seem to be able to see that peace will never come through holding on to violence. If we cling to our weapons and the freedom to use them, we actually cling to an old order. We cling to the past where this violence will just be multiplied. There seems to be some kind of sickness in the heart of human people. And there's some sort of paradox at the heart of our souls we seem to be addicted to controlling others and to dominating and to winning. And if we could really see what that means for us, we would discover that the ultimate paradox is we ourselves are actually controlled by this addiction. But the good news is Jesus came to set us free from any addiction that we have to control others, to dominate and to win. He utterly fails at the Jewish dream, and in losing, we gain insight into what true power actually is. We need a mind checkup. I wonder if they offer them at the doctor's surgery. We need to turn away from this old kind of thinking. When will we choose to stop being impressed by people? have big parties shows triumphal processions coronations ordinations inaugurations rich people famous people beautiful people when will we stop being impressed by what we cannot have and be impressed by what we already have we already have a humility that we can walk in and yet this is almost paradoxical as well and slightly confusing We've got the ability to put on this new way of seeing and yet, rarely do we choose it. We might never have the ability to be rich or powerful and yet it leaves us hungry for it. Do you see what I'm saying? What we cannot have, we want. And what we can enter into is too painful for our human ego to give up power, to give up influence, to give up to controlling people to surrender, to having little, to having even nothing, to controlling nothing. Yet this is the way of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? And yet 2,000 years later, most of Western Christianity has not really got the point. We don't really believe it. We're not really impressed by little people. We're impressed by big money, titles, educations, charisma just look at everybody that's in the power in the church of scotland right we are unable to recognize god in this mindset because it's in the places of humility poverty and suffering that we're going to get to see god and it's going to be a painful downward journey just like the journey jesus took now in our second reading today um we were reading an old, kind of it belonged to the early church, a worship song that they used to sing. And inside it, you can find this beautiful theme of self-emptying love, where Jesus took these kind of downward steps towards humanity. He gave up everything, became a human person. It's kind of chosen up our desire to have more or to hold on to what we have and to see that as we give it away, we can demonstrate incredible love. And this seems to be a journey that God honours. And Jesus is then in the song, it says, and he was given the highest place and he was called Jesus is Lord. Now that title was reserved for people with ultimate political power at that time. It was reserved for the Caesar, a godlike status. It seems there are two types of power to me. You can dominate and control, like the Roman Empire, or you can give up everything, and become the most influential person that's ever walked planet Earth. 2,000 years later, here we are, still talking about the Jesus way. To know Jesus is to give up an old way of seeing. And I bet none of us have been able to enter into the fullness of that yet. Because somewhere inside us, we would still like status. We would still like to be listened to we'd still like to have a position of influence and yet this is sometimes well this is ugly in the eyes of jesus we need to re-understand power and examine our hearts before god we've got to turn away from this old way of seeing and put on the eyes of christ now you might say to me "Mm, i'm not sure jesus gave up everything what about his miracles his miracles, he had miraculous powers, didn't he, to demonstrate that he was God. And I've wondered about that myself. Did I worship God because of his miraculous powers? But then I thought about it, and I was given a new way of seeing it through something that I read. What if the miraculous powers were not to prove himself? Jesus doesn't seem the type of person who is interested Proving himself. What if the miracles were to point us to what Jesus cared about? And if we look at his miracles, what, what do they point us to? They point us to the needy. They point us to hungry, people sick in their bodies, who are sick in their minds, in danger, people that need brought back to life. His miracles point us to what he cares about. They were not about proving himself. And if we get that, If we really see that, we'll not be able to stop ourselves going towards somebody in need, to the most vulnerable. We will stop chasing fame, beauty, power, money, influence and discover our true worth as we encounter another human person in need. It has been said that you will become the God that you worship Make sure you've understood Jesus before you worship him as some sort of almighty presence. He wanted to be known as an all-vulnerable God. He wasn't going upwards in the pursuit of the almighty power. He took a downward step and became vulnerable. And we can follow in his path. So just to finish, I'd like to lead us in a wee meditation, which is just Shutting their eyes and just going into our little imaginary inner worlds. So close your eyes for a wee minute and think. What kind of power do I desire to have? And what direction is it going in? Am I seeking upwards after things that I don't currently have? Take a wee minute and look around your own heart. and then think about Jesus, think about this self-emptying lifestyle and ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind something that he would like you to let go of control over today. It might be a person, maybe someone in your family, maybe a situation, an event, a community. Maybe it's a possession, something that you've got. And then in your minds, I'd just like you to kind of let it go. This is what it means to follow in the Jesus way. And open our eyes. Holy Spirit, as we open our eyes, we invite you to open our true selves to the true wisdom of becoming nothing, stepping into self-emptying kind of power. We will know we've met Jesus when we can't stop seeing and thinking like that. Amén.